I V M. Hey everyone, welcome to Shuny One, episode one ninety five. Uh, this is uh, a, you know it's a big milestone episode for us. It's almost two hundred episodes so far, but one ninety five is also going to be very very interesting, like the ones we've had before. Uh, I'm in conversation with Shorab Agarwal, who's the founder and CTO of Resha Mandi. Now, Resha Mandi is a, another unique startup in India. I think over the past two two and a half years, they've actually transformed a lot of the supply chain and ecosystem around uh, weaving and fibers, uh, and basically taking you know products which are retail products in terms of woven retail products like saris and other clothes, and solving for the entire supply chain. Uh, behind that, uh, it's a very, very interesting company. Uh, unique story again, and of course, uh, so many elements at play in terms of what they are building and the various components that they have. Very interesting conversation. But stay tuned uh, for that just after this break. Hi, Saurav. Welcome to Shunya One. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. No, thanks so much for uh, you know uh, joining us as our guest today. Uh, I'm really keen to you know understand more about uh, the business, the product, everything that Reshamandi is. But before we get into that, you know, just to introduce yourself to everyone listening uh, to us today, could you tell us a little bit about your own personal journey as an entrepreneur uh, so far? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I'm the founder and CTO at Reshamandi. Uh, right, and uh, my journey starts uh, back in uh, oh, what should I say, 1998, when when uh, Mayank and me were together in school. Uh, so he is my other founder. So we are school friends. That is where the journey of Reshamandi and my my journey as a technologist also started. So 2006, I passed out of college, did my engineering, joined various companies, services companies, then product companies, and before this, in 2013, I did my own startup uh, in consulting, which uh, which was later acquired. Uh, last five years, not last five years, 2016 onwards till 2020, before doing Resha Mundi, I was in US, Cisco US, building network management softwares, uh, accumulating patents and doing all that uh, deep tech work. And uh, 2020 is when Mayan called me again. Uh, if if uh, I remember him, I obviously remembered him. And uh, we started talking. He wanted somebody to get on the tech side. And uh, I wanted uh, somebody who knows sales. So it was a natural mix who knows business. So both of us collaborated and that's how Ishwamindi was born. Nice. And you know, uh, everything you uh, shared again, Mayan, your co-founder, uh, both of you sort of having these complementary uh, skill sets. What made you sort of focus on this particular domain? Like what is the backstory of, let's say, why you wanted to solve for, like you put it, the goal of Reshamandi, which is like solving for everything from organic fiber to retail. You know, what what is what made you focus on this sort of a sector? I, I think uh, there's more to do with Mayank. But uh, essentially, he's from uh, NIFT. He is, uh, he's a fashion guy. He's the textile guy. And all over uh, his career, he has seen that natural fibers in India have been downplayed, right? And the cost of uh, the end product is not realized by the other stakeholders. 
So the person who's making it in the in the villages or in the weaving clusters and everything else. So you get a sari for fifty thousand bucks, but does that sari actually translate into fifty thousand uh, bucks of value? And does the weaver actually derive that much? Answer is no. So and uh, during his college days and other things, he has seen that the supply chain is broken. So he wanted to solve for the supply chain problems. And uh, obviously, he knew that uh, technology is the only way to solve for this uh, problem. Uh, connecting directly these guy, uh, these uh, suppliers and buyers, right? So that is where the idea was born. Essentially, we did not. Uh, we started with silk, right? So we are called the silk guys now. But yeah, so we started with silk. But uh, originally itself, like for six months when we were debating about the idea and everything else around it before incorporating uh, Resha Mandi, right? So we had thought about cotton, jute, wool. We wanted to stay in natural fiber space. And then uh, we said, okay, let's start with silk and look at the value chain uh, vertically and then expand horizontally into different categories like cotton, wool, jute. So, and all that is ongoing right now as well. Wow. And, you know, again, in this journey, uh, again, maybe just to understand this you know, business a little bit more before we get into platform. What was the like state of the art at the time? Or what was the, you know, like you said, obviously, the value wasn't getting translated to, you know, the, the weavers and the people who are the main stakeholders. But from a challenge standpoint, was it just that one side you were trying to uplift? Or was it also on the retail side, you must have looked at your opportunity also, right, from a consumer standpoint. So what was the view then that you sort of had an insight on? View uh, still remains the same. The value at the consumer side is nobody needs to pay 50,000 for a Fanjiviram sari. It should be lesser. It should be more affordable, right? Clothing should be more affordable. The natural fibers, linen need not be that expensive. It should be cheaper, right? That's also a natural uh, fiber. So uh, the end goal was the re to reduce the rates for consumers at the retail end. Although we do that, we do not uh, erode the value creation at the each leg below the supply chain. Right? Right. So there are farmers, there are uh, then yarn manufacturers. Farmers produce these raw materials, cotton, uh, raw cotton or uh, silk cocoons, right? And then there are yarn manufacturers who draw out yarns from it. And then there are uh, these uh, weavers and mills who make fabrics. Sadi is a special case where fabric is also drapeable, right? And then there are apparel manufacturers who make your shirts, pants, jeans and everything else, all your apparel, which gets sold to the retailer. Now, all of this supply chain, it starts from uh, your farm, right? So we, we looked at the farm going all the way to the retail. If, we, if the end produce or the end product is costing uh, 150 rupees, right? And we can bring it down to 100 and still make sure that all the five stakeholders get 20 each or 10 each or whatever their uh, share of wallet is, I think then it's a win-win situation. The consumer gets lesser price while uh, the stakeholders make uh, equal or more money. That's the idea. Got it. And, and when you say stakeholder, it's everyone today you cater to. Was this always the plan again, day one? Like you said, okay, I, will, I have to go full stack across the entire supply chain Assuming at one end it is the farmer again, but what is the other end? Do you, do you I don't think you sell directly to consumers or, or do, are you doing that also today? So today we are just selling directly to consumers as well. Directly we have a D2C brand under our Vesha Meals label. We have launched Rambya as a sari collection and other things. But uh, 
uh, to answer your first question, that was always the plan. So when we were in initially thinking about this and how to do and what to build, right? We always thought that this has to be an ecosystem. There is uh, no way without an ecosystem we can uh, work in this market, right? And ecosystem means uh, it has to be end-to-end -end connected, right? And it has to provide value or it has to provide things to the stakeholders holistically. So I can not come to a stakeholder and tell him that I will only sell things to you. Then you are solving half the problem for him. You will not get 100% wallet share from him, right? So what you have to do is you have to sell things to him. You have to buy things from him. You have to enable, you have to improve his productivity. You have, you have to give him means. You have to give him capital to grow his business. So all those things together make that ecosystem for one stakeholder. Now, all of the, if you are, if you have to do buying, selling both with the, with a stakeholder, right? So essentially you need at the other end also the stakeholder who can do similar things with you. Right. For example, if I'm selling to farmers, right? If I'm only solving for, you have produced something, I'll buy it from you and I'll do the forward linkage, right? That's half the problem solved for him. The other problem for him is he needs to put up more sheds. He needs uh, tractors. He needs uh, other things. He needs CapEx loans. He needs loans for improving his uh, yield. The other thing is he needs... Uh, scientific advisories, he needs uh, to know how to produce better, how to improve the quality. So those are the value adds, right? The second thing is, the third thing is, if he wants to get quality inputs, are I, am I supplying those? If I'm doing all that ecosystem play with one stakeholder, that means I'm solving everything for him. It's like a mall. You don't need to go into 10 shops to yeah. dress yourself up. Yeah. You go into a mall, you get everything there. And that's what everybody likes. Supermarkets, everybody likes them because you get everything under one shop, right? So that's the play. And it was originally designed like that. So that brings me to the larger question. You know, a lot of startups, a lot of uh, any business venture sort of looks at, okay, what are the, what can I do uniquely better? And, and of course, they have to build your team like that. You have to uh, build your skill sets like that. A lot of this I know is solved with, tech, uh, technology and, you know, the infusion of technology in these otherwise very non-tech sectors, like, for example, what you, uh, you just explained. So then, again, when you thought of it from day one, I know everyone has that grand vision, but as you went along, you must have had to acquire a lot of these new understandings of how the B2B market is in this sector, uh, how, you know, like you said yourself, scientific advisory means you have to build that sort of scientific background and team and so much to do, right? So tell us a little bit about all these various skills and domain knowledge that you had to acquire and your team hence has today. There was a grander plan. It's always grand, right? And it starts there, but you have to slice it, dice it and make it digestible, chewable, right? So that's what we also did. First of all, we categorize that, okay, these are the categories in India. There is silk, cotton, wool, jute, linen. These are the categories, fiber categories. So we'll start with silk. Now we'll start with silk. That is one vertical we got, one category we got. Now we said, okay, in silk, there is a leg of farmers which are connected to your yarn manufacturers. Then there is a leg of yarn manufacturers connected to your mills. That is the second leg. And then the third leg is the finished products which consumers buy. And then the fourth leg is directly selling to the consumer. So we broke down the story into these four legs. Now what we did was in silk, we started our farm business first. 
June twenty twenty, we launched our first uh, procurement center. Come XP, come uh, Monday for our uh, farmers right. in the Bangalore, in suburbs of Bangalore, in Sajjapur. So we started from there. We started from farms buying the produce from farmers, right? And then uh, as we learned about farmers, that okay, they need inputs. Now they need uh, assistance, capital assistance, or they need uh, technology assistance. We kept building for that stakeholder. So there was a team set up only for farms, right? To for doing uh, initially doing output linkage, then doing input linkage to farmers, then doing advisory for farmers, and correspondingly the whole ecosystem for farmers was built. Nice around that. So we started with that. Then uh, three or four months down the line, we were already researching and experimenting in the yarn sector. So we started with silk yarns then after three months down the line. We started with that. We started experimenting with the, your yarn manufacturers and your weavers. Your weavers are in Banaras. They are in Kanjipuram. They are in Dharmavaram, Salem, all over India, right? India weaves uh, across the country. You have a different weave every, in every state or city in India. So Jaipur, otherwise, right? So we started exploring these clusters and connecting the silk producing hubs in India, which is Karnataka, Andhra, Tamil Nadu, to these clusters. So we set up a dedicated team, dedicated expertise, people who had expertise in yarn and how the quality assessment of yarns work and everything else around it. So we set up that team and started the yarn business. Now, once we did that and there was initial traction and we knew, okay, how this is working, Automatically, it showed us uh, that weavers were telling us, okay, you are giving us yarn, why don't you buy saris also from us? You are giving us uh, uh, this yarn, why don't you buy fabric from us? And uh, that gave, gave birth to your weaves business for us. So we started Resha Weaves uh, six to seven months down the line and we said, this is where we will trade uh, finished commodities. Now, for that again, we started building a different team because the geographies are different, expertise is different. Somebody needs to source from these uh, weavers and then uh, mills and sell it to retailers. You need somebody to go to these retail customers in Chickpet in Bangalore or Dadar in Mumbai or Chandi Chowk in uh, Delhi. So uh, somebody needs to go there, show our catalog on our mobile app, generate interest that, okay, you can source from us. We are here. We give you the latest designs. We have our research designs with us. So that is how the weaves business came into picture. Now, once we did Weave's business, we uh, for margin and everything else, we realized, okay, now we have in-house expertise. We have the full supply chain. I can give you a sari with a QR code, which can tell you that, okay, this weaver made this sari. The yarn came from this manufacturer. Uh, and the yarn that was produced was uh, from the produce that these 10 farmers did. The complete traceability on the supply chain I can give. So with that value proposition, we started Resha Weave's uh, direct-to-consumer uh, brand of our own. So it's a journey. You slice it, dice it. And then later on, three months, every three months or four months, we kept adding uh, new businesses and new categories. So today we play in these four uh, farms, yarns, weaves and uh, lifestyle business. Then uh, we were earlier in silk. Now we are in cotton. We are very soon uh, launching jute and wool. Uh, right, so we'll be supply, we'll be supporting those stakeholders as well. And then later on, we realized there is a capital need. So, uh, like eight months back, we started our uh, Mudra division, which is Resha Mudra for uh, capital assistance to this supply chain. Right, uh, buy now, pay later, invoice discounting, loans, and everything else. So we started that capital arm. 
So that's how it progressed. Now there is way forward as well because we have not touched international waters. So we will we have done something but not uh, meaningful. So that is where we are going next. No, wonderful. And and thank you for that, you know, expansive uh, sort of uh, understanding of the sector. I think a lot of folks listening, usually we, ta- uh, you know, and try to see, again, it's always a tech first sort of approach. But I think given the kind of uh, unique business you are in, you had to solve for all of these incrementally. So while the grand vision has been playing out, these are the various domains you guys have had to become knowledgeable. So I'd like to understand a little bit about, uh, you know, also the tech and the platform. And I know that there's a lot more uh, tech, given, you know, your role, I think the technology platform forms this underlayer of everything that you do today. Uh, But before we dive into that, I'm going to take a quick break for everyone listening and come back and talk some more. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Saurabh, you know, you shared the journey of Reshamanti so far and the various aspects of your unique business sector that you are solving for as a, as a company, as a platform. But tell us a little bit about, you know, the actual underlying tech platform that you all have built uh, and how that helps sort of enable this whole ecosystem, like you were saying. Well, a lot of people ask me why, why Saurabh, you moved from US deep tech and then came into this supply chain. So I tell them there were only two motivators for me. It is important uh, in this question, I think. There were only two motivators. One was technology. Will, I realized technology will play a huge role, enormous role in this supply chain because it is technology starved already, right? So building technology was one uh, motivator for me. The second motivator was uh, that the market that we were going after was large enough. It was a huge business to be made, right? So with those two motivators, I landed back in my India, in Bangalore. And in technology space, how we have done it is, obviously, as the business progressed, we have built the platform accordingly, right? We cannot build everything in one shot. So we slice dice that as well. So how to look, the way to look at uh, Resha Mandi digitally is, we have built the digital highway for the natural fiber ecosystem. Now, by that, what I mean is, we have uh, one platform, one app for all our stakeholders for commerce. So what we have done is there is a super app called Reshamandi. You download it. If you are a farmer, you log in. You are a yarn manufacturer. You can also log in. You can buy it. You can sell. If you are a farmer, you will log in. You will see a marketplace where you can buy your inputs. Now with Mudra coming in, you can get capital assistance. You can apply for loan over there. So your whole ecosystem for each stakeholder is present in the app. So that's what we have built. So yarn manufacturer, similarly, he can procure uh, raw material from us. He can sell uh, or list his uh, finished goods with us. Same is with weavers, mills. For uh, retailers, it's the same thing. We show them categories just like uh, a marketplace, uh, just like uh, Flipkart, right? They see, but it is a business-to-business platform. So there are certain things like GST and other things, but they see the whole catalog and everything. They can place orders. And that's where the whole machinery gets into motion. Or that is what we have built for the consumers. Now, all this is powered by my backbone uh, infrastructure that we have built here in Reshamandi, the whole ERP plus platform, as we call it. It's the backend which powers my mobile app and my uh, operations in the company. So all the weighing that happens, all the listings that happen, or uh, my ground staff interacts with this platform, essentially. Now... Below this platform sits uh, my other technology interventions that we have done. Like we have done IoT devices for farm. 
So there is a dedicated team of hardware engineers and everything else where we are doing hard uh, IoT device for uh, farm as well as the rearing shed in uh, silk. There is a dedicated team which sits for AIML. We are doing scientific grading of cocoons today. So uh, food has been always graded, right? Food, uh, uh, you always see USDA approved or you will say FICI approved and all those things, right? Food has always been a topic of discussion and uh, consciousness. You test via various mechanisms if, if it has gone bad or what is the quality of the food. But nobody was doing this for silk cocoons, right? So we, we put together a team of computer vision engineers who built this algorithm where by looking at cocoons, uh, right, with a simple photograph or video of cocoons, we can tell that this is the grade and this is the rate it will fetch. It is scientifically done. It is, uh, we have a patent for that as well. So we did that for the farm level, right? Now, this is, and there are other things uh, like payment integrations, which are very critical in this supply chain. You will be amazed that how happy a farmer's wife is when there is money credited in her account online. Earlier, what used to happen is farmer will go travel to Ramnagar Mandi to sell his produce. He'll get cash, right? And he'll come back on the way back 200 kilometers. Either he'll uh, he'll spend it on booze or he'll stay somewhere. He, he'll do all those things. And the cash, while he comes back, it will be shortchanged. That's one another problem. But while he comes back, it's cash, right? And he, the uh, main... Uh, Household owner, the, the lady of the house gets lesser than what was expected. But now with Resha Mandi, the farmer sells it to us. He He's listed. He gets an SMS, your money will come in these many days or it will be credited in the evening and directly in the bank account it is transferred. Right? There is no cash involved anywhere in the supply chain. So we don't work on cash. People say that I is cash, uh, what do you call it? cash extensive, but I think uh, farmers and everybody is making an effort to move to digital meats. If there are players who are able to support them, that transition will be faster. So all that ecosystem we have built. Wow. I mean, I think this is also, sh this again shows, right? It's not just technology, it's processes, it's the it's behavior change uh, that you're also bringing about in each of the uh, stakeholders that you are, uh, you know, you're enabling. So it's, uh, I think it goes a long way. And you mentioned a few things, which of course, again, uh, uh, sound like buzzwords, but they're, I would say, critical to, you know, solving the problem. Things like IoT, things like AI and computer vision. These are all, again, very deep tech, uh, like, like you mentioned in your own personal uh, background. So obviously it makes sense that they have found a home in, in this sector uh, and for right reasons, you know, not just for, for sake of it, I guess. Uh, so you guys, uh, you guys, what, what are the, what's the state of the art you all are pushing uh, over there? I, I know you gave the cocoon example, but is there anything else? Uh, sure, sure. So, so one thing is that I, I think it is very, uh, what you said was very right. That you have to bring value. I can develop IoT, I can develop AIML, I can do everything. Everybody is talking about AIML, but nobody is talking about the use cases it is solving. Right. So unless the use case is meaningful enough and brings value to your stakeholder, there is no point of you building technology. That's what I believe as a technology owner, that we have to solve for use cases. We just don't build things which are flashy, but they don't solve anything. Right. So in, in similar things, and that's where some people ask me, how did you make sure that there is adoption in farmers? Right. I, I, and I simply tell them, if you build value for them, they will adopt. Uh, now, one of the values that we have built for farmers, a very specific example is showing Monday rates. Earlier, farmers will have WhatsApp group, Facebook groups, Facebook pages and everything. They will call up somebody before going to Ramnagar. What is the trending rate today? 
today on their app, just like money control, they see the rates of, uh, right? So, and we show them historical rates, trends and everything. And that's the most viewed page on our uh, mobile app on the farmer side. So I can say that I've brought value to them sitting in their home, uh, just looking at the mobile app, they can see, okay, this is the rate going on. And uh, they are forecasting in next 21 days, this will be the rate. So should I, how how much produce, it's a 21 day crop life cycle. So should I do how much, how much should I produce? If it is going to go down, I can plan my produce like that, right? I'll, I'll not produce that much or maybe I'll do something else. So it enables decision making at farm, right? So the other thing is uh, trend analysis, for example. One of the classic use cases we found was uh, after a while, we realized that uh, on the retail side, these retailers, uh, right, if you go to Chickpet, you a trader would walk in or somebody would walk in and he will tell these are the selections you can make. Because he, the trader is coming from Salem, he'll give him Salem saris and he'll be like, okay, this is what sells. He'll just buy it. He doesn't have any insight on what the market wants. Next door, there might be a Manivar uh, Mohe which is selling yellow and reds in bulk, right? But this guy doesn't have that collection because he is relying on somebody, some trader who is giving him purples, but he doesn't have an option or he doesn't have any guidance for him uh, with him. Now on our mobile app, if a retailer logs in, he sees trends. If you are sitting in Delhi and uh, uh, you are in North Delhi versus South Delhi, which colors will sell? Which butas and sari will sell? What prints will sell? That data mining we have done. And on basis, that data mining on our data, our data plus socioeconomic data that is available on the internet, we have, we have built these trends and forecasting algorithms where we can tell you, boss, don't source purple. Uh-huh, it, it is not going to sell. Source yellow. Basant is coming. Source red. Oh, uh, there's a uh, Valentine's coming, right? So uh, wedding season, these are the colors which will sell or these are the designs which will sell. This will be in trend, not in trend. So these are the use cases we are solving with technology, uh, with AI, ML, if you want to call it. But yes. And again, you know, all of this is to obviously solve for the uh, what you said at the start, which is give each stakeholder more value from from the opacity of the other existing trade or, or supply chain, right? Uh, but at the same time, and you're finally doing this by also becoming a retailer yourself, which is similar to various other D2C brands uh, today. I know D2C as a sector has also sort of exploded, right? So how have you uh, sort of perceived that, you know, once you now are a brand yourself, uh, you also have, let's say, margins and, uh, competition with others in that space. So is that, how are you seeing that part of the business? So for us, uh, uh, the D2C brand is an enabler for my B2B business. That's how I see it. I'll give you a very simple example. Right? Uh, when Big Basket, if Big Basket is there, earlier Big Basket used to sell eggs from uh, Sukuna, right? Or from some those pollen trees. Later they found and they branded, they branded their own and they got their own packaging and everything. I think that's the natural progression of business, how it works. These are the designs or these are the motives or these are the things which are selling. And my design team holds the IP for it. So now what I have done is I've launched the brand. I'll be selling directly to consumers as well. But whatever I sell or marketing I do for these brands. Now anybody sitting in Gwalior or Subhash Emporium sitting in Gwalior will know that, okay, this brand, uh, for example, Ramya by Resha Weaves, they have good saris. It is available directly to consumer. But my intent is also to sell it to him via my B2B mobile app. So he can see the same saris 
and procure in bulk instead of procuring uh, the retail retail is there but i think our philosophy is that my d2c business will fuel my b2b business as well that's the game plan we have got it so i mean uh, I, I my question was exactly around this right is it conflict is it channel conflict in some ways but i think what you're saying is you're enabling everyone anyway so it's one more head of business for you correct correct got it so you know you uh, briefly mentioned that you obviously this is just the start on this grand plan uh, that you all had initiated but and you also mentioned that it's only domestic in india today uh, what have you looked at outside or what is the opportunity what's the white space and what is the vision now next let's say you know year year and a half uh, that you intend to uh, go well, one of the things uh, that we have not done and we intended to do and want to do now is traceability and sustainability worldwide i think there is a gap eu or european unions us everybody has become conscious about dumping and uh, and the carbon footprint your uh, fashion also produces now right you you cannot just dump uh, right and with fast fashion it has increased a lot so eu has already said uh, just like cars in us and uh, you know they have said that every car manufacturer needs to have a model which is electric similarly governments are dictating unions are dictating that oh, whatever apparel or textiles uh, brand is having they should have at least 30% of that inventory should be sustainable traceable inventory right so those are mandates which are coming from the governments and unions uh, worldwide right and i think it's a beautiful space for us to intervene so if i talk to zara or i talk to mango or anybody the type of uh, transparency and traceability in the supply chain that resha mandi can offer nobody no other player can offer that's our pitch to the international markets and that is what we want to do so if you want us to have uh, yarns made out of india which you know which farmer produced and which yarn manufacturer produced was there a child labor involved in it was uh, all the employees treated well or not what dyes are used are you esg are the factories esg compliant or not so earlier brands did not have this visibility right they only had visibility only till the manufacturer level they will tell the manufacturer i need these white shirts they will make those white shirts and ship it out now those manufacturers are working with us we are giving them the fabrics we are the fabrics that we are giving them we know where the yarns came from we know how the yarns were made so our value proposition to these international brands is very simple we'll give you sustainable natural fabrics or uh, products made out of natural fabrics which are traceable and uh, there is a complete transparency on that supply chain so that's the pitch we are going in into, into the international markets that's one of the business areas we are focusing on we are building the second is we are going to scale our uh, mudra business the capital business because uh, there are regulatory authorities which are involved in uh, in the capital in india so we are awaiting our we are we are awaiting our license once we have our ngfc license and other licenses compliances in place we are going to scale that which will also have a ripple effect into my commerce business so that's how we see yeah i think as a tech company today it's hard to stay away from uh, the fintech part of tech so like you said you guys are already doing even that and it's part of enabling the ecosystem especially in india i guess Uh, sort of as closing notes uh, you know for everyone listening in uh, on this chat today what's the best way to let's say uh, you know reach out to you or the team at Resha Mandi for any more questions feedback are you guys uh, scaling up your team are you hiring 
Anything else you'd want to leave uh, our listeners with today? Uh, we are hiring. We are one of the few companies which are hiring in the, in the current scenario. So I would urge uh, listeners, if they are interested in this supply chain and the work we are doing, re- reach out to us on careers.reshamandi.com. All our listings, approximately more than uh, 100 openings are there on that platform. So apply there. Uh, in every sector uh, stack, we have openings starting from operation sales to technology to fintech to everything, retail ops. We have openings. Uh, to reach out to us as Resha Mandi, we are available on our contact uh, center. Our phone numbers are on, are on our website. There are support emails. If you want to reach out to me, Mayank and the leadership team, all of us are available on LinkedIn I am always open to suggestions, questions, debates on LinkedIn. You'll get a reply 100% from me uh, all the time. Wonderful. So reach out to me. Awesome. Awesome. We'll be sure to share uh, those coordinates. uh, And for everyone listening in, thank you so much. Uh, Once again, if you've uh, loved this episode, please uh, leave us a rating and a review uh, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, And uh, there's a lot more coming up from uh, Shunya One. Uh, We are actually, uh, you know, as part of uh, our uh, series we are actually uh, moving to a different sort of a format going forward uh, the next few episodes i think you'll be seeing a lot more uh, different uh, kinds of themes and topics uh, coming to our show Um, maybe a lot of our speakers uh, who have been with us before but uh, stay tuned for that and sort of uh, thank you so much for uh, you know sharing uh, the story of resha mandi your story here today Uh, it was really insightful and of course wishing you and the whole team lots of success going forward And wherever we see the brand, I'm sure you're changing lives uh, of so many people uh, in the community. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All the best, Shunya team. Thank you. Thank you so much.